Merry Christmas, everybody. I am so excited that you're allowing us to be a part of your Christmas Eve celebration. And whether you're doing that in person at one of our campuses or online, either way, I'm just so honored that you are here. You know, it always amazes me when I think about the fact that not only are we gathering tonight as a church family to celebrate Jesus' birth, but the fact that over the next 24 hours, some two and a half billion of our brothers and sisters will be gathering just like we are. Now, some will gather in beautiful, ornate cathedrals. Some will be gathering in simple country churches. Some will gather in houses, some in huts. Some will even gather in hiding for fear of the government. But wherever and however we gather, we all gather for the same reason, to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I'm so glad that you're here to help us do that tonight. But I also realize if we're honest, Sometimes there's a disconnection between what we're celebrating and the way that we celebrate it. And no, I'm not talking about the over-commercialization of Christmas or leaving Jesus out of the season. I'm talking about our tendency to see the birth of Jesus as some picture-perfect manger scene moment. Where this magic baby born in a manger somehow suddenly makes everything merry and bright. The truth is the birth of Jesus was a very messy, gritty, inconvenient reality for the people who were a part of it. For those who were a part of Jesus' birth, it was quite a train wreck in their lives. Like I'm pretty sure Mary didn't have giving birth in a barn as a part of her birthing plan. I'm pretty sure Joseph's life coach had not prepared him to raise the Savior of the world. Can you imagine the pressure of realizing you're responsible for God in the flesh? How does that work? How do you parent God? How does discipline work? Right? Do you discipline him or does he discipline you? And if you discipline him, are there consequences later on? It was a lot for Joe to take in. Even the shepherds had to endure the traumatic experience of encountering a terrifying angel all because Jesus was born. My point is that what we are celebrating is not a temporary reprieve from our difficulties and struggles. What we are celebrating is the fact that God is with us in our difficulties and struggles. In fact, that's why over the last couple of weeks here at Cedar Creek, we've been trying to connect the dots between the cradle, the cross, and the crown. To see that the Christmas story is part of a much bigger story. A story that God is writing not only across the pages of history, but one that he is writing across the individual pages of our lives. It is a story of rescue. It is a story of redemption. That's why Christmas is the thrill of hope. Because what started in that cradle would lead to a cross. 
And what happened on that cross would lead to a crown. And because of that crown, we can live in hope all year long, even when things aren't working out the way we thought they should. That's the thrill of hope for Christmas. Maybe one of the best places to see the hope of Christmas is found in the birth announcement of Jesus. Now, unlike most parents who send out the birth announcements after the child is born, God sends out Jesus' birth announcement before he's even born. In fact, it's 700 years before the birth of Jesus that God will announce his birth through the words of the prophet Isaiah. And he will begin this birth announcement with an amazing promise from God. Notice what Isaiah says in Isaiah 9 2 that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. That those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. See, Christmas is built on the promise of light coming into the darkness. It's interesting to me that God addresses this promise to two groups of people. He says, first, this promise is for those who are walking in darkness. And the fact is, that's pretty much all of us. You don't have to look very far. Just turn on the news or scroll through Facebook or Instagram to see that there is a lot of darkness in this world around us. We are all walking in that darkness every day. But God also addresses his promise to those who are living in the land of deep darkness. And for some of you tonight, that's where you are It's not the general darkness of the world around us. It's much more personal to you. Maybe this is your first Christmas since the funeral. Or maybe it's your first Christmas of trying to figure out how do we do this now that we're divorced. Maybe you're walking through this Christmas struggling with depression or anxiety. Maybe you struggle every day with an addiction that you just know is destroying your life, but you don't seem to be able to break it. You're not walking in darkness. You are living every day in a land of deep darkness. Christmas is your holiday. Christmas is light coming to the darkness. But here's the thing you need to understand about light. Light doesn't eliminate the darkness, but it does allow you to see a little clearer in that darkness. See, the birth of Jesus is not a promise of some easy, pain-free life with no struggles. Christmas is the promise that God is with us in those struggles, and that because of that, there is meaning and purpose even in the difficulties of life. Man, I wish none of us ever had to walk through those dark valleys of the shadows. But the truth is, we all do. We are broken people living in a broken world. We all have dark valleys. But I'm so very thankful that we don't ever have to walk through them alone. We have Emmanuel 
God with us. As King David reminded us in that beautiful 23rd Psalm, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I do not have to be afraid. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's God's promise to us. And that is the hope of Christmas living in us. Not only in Jesus' birth announcement do we see this amazing promise of light in the darkness, but like all birth announcements, God shares some of the details about the baby to us. Now, he doesn't give us the height and the weight and the time the baby was born, but he does tell us the heart of who this child is. And he does that to some of the names that are given to Jesus even before he is born on this earth. Again, back to Isaiah chapter 9. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. I've spent a lot of time over the last two weeks thinking about those names of Jesus and what those names mean in the daily realities of our lives. And I want you to know I am so glad that Jesus is a wonderful counselor because Lord knows I need a good counselor. I have questions I cannot answer. I have issues that I cannot overcome on my own. I need a wonderful counselor. You know what makes a counselor a wonderful counselor? Two things. One, they're great listeners. They listen well without judgment or condemnation or shame. Good counselors allow you to pour out your heart and all the things that you feel, and they never tell you you shouldn't feel that way. And that's how Jesus is. I know some of you tend to hold God at arm's length because you think he's mad at you, or you think he's going to be disappointed in you, or you think he's going to condemn you and shame you and judge you and throw you away. But that's not our wonderful counselor. He hears. He wants you to pour out his heart to him. That's why he's a wonderful counselor. You know what else makes a counselor a wonderful counselor? They know things that you don't know. They have insights that you don't have. Insights about yourself and insights about your circumstances. And through a relationship with Jesus and his Holy Spirit in us, we can see things and know things that we could never see and know in our own abilities. He is a wonderful counselor, but he's also a mighty God. And that's good news. Because many of my problems are way bigger than me. I don't have the power to overcome them. But because of Jesus, I don't have to have my own power. Through Jesus and a relationship with him, we have access to the supernatural power of God in our daily lives. 
And no, I'm not saying you can turn God into your own personal genie in the bottle to grant all your wishes and make all your dreams come through. What I'm saying is you can have the strength of God when your strength is gone. You can have the strength of God to help you take the next step when it doesn't even feel like you can take your next breath. You can have God's strength in those dark, broken moments of weakness. That is the hope of Christmas. I'm also thankful that Jesus is the everlasting Father. Now, I know maybe for some of you, Father is a positive image for you. You had a great dad. He was always there for you, always providing and protecting, and he truly was Father knows best, and you could always come to him. But I also know for some of us, this image of Father is deeply painful for you because you did not have that, and what you had was more damaging than helpful. But I want you to know Jesus is an everlasting Father. He never abandons. He always protects. He always provides. He always has time for you. He is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, and finally, He is the Prince of peace. I have to be honest with you, this is probably, of all these names of Jesus, this is the one that I find most confusing. Because how is it, if the Prince of Peace was born 2,000 years ago, why is there so little of it here today? Why is there so little peace on earth and even less goodwill towards men? I imagine that was probably a question the people of Bethlehem we're asking a few years after Jesus was born, when King Herod sent soldiers to wipe out, to commit genocide of a whole generation of baby boys in that little town of Bethlehem. See, that's the part of the story that doesn't make it into our pretty little manger scenes. But that is the reality of what happen. And so, where is the peace? If the Prince of Peace is born, where is the peace, Lord? Well, the peace of Jesus is not an external peace. It's not peace in your circumstances. It is an internal peace, a peace in your heart, no matter what your circumstances. The peace that comes from knowing and trusting that God is in control of the details of your life. And as much as we want peace in our circumstances, the internal peace of Jesus is a much better peace. You know why? Because this world can't take it from you. No one can take that peace of Jesus from you. That is the hope of Christmas. That's why we sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. But we also sing, let every heart prepare him room. Is there room in your heart today for Jesus? Are you too busy trying to control your life and your circumstances? Are you too busy running after the temporary stuff of this world? 
Is there room in your heart for Jesus? Aren't you tired of a heart full of fear? Aren't you tired of a heart full of anxiety, unanswered questions? Aren't you tired of living with a heart full of confusion? If you are, Christmas is God's personal invitation to you. An invitation to come home to a wonderful counselor. To come home to a mighty God. To come home to an everlasting father. To come home to the true prince of peace. I don't know why you're here or why you think you're here. But I am convinced you are here by divine appointment. That God somehow in some way drew you into this moment so that you would not have to begin another Christmas with just the temporary surfacy emotions that all ends up gone when the decorations are put away and the new year starts. I believe God invited you here today to invite you to come and live life to the fullest, to experience peace in your pain, purpose in your struggle, joy in the ups and downs of your daily life. This is Jesus' invitation to you. Listen to his words from Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That is the hope of Christmas. And that is your invitation tonight. Would you pray with me? Maybe you're here tonight and you've heard the story, but you've never really understood that it was part of a much bigger story. This incredible story of a God who would come to earth to rescue that would give his life so that you could be forgiven and free of your sins, that would rise from the grave so that you could live eternally with him. You've never really understood the whole story, but tonight you've heard it. And maybe tonight, this Christmas Eve night, that you're finally sick and tired of being sick and tired and you're ready to come home. You're ready to come home to the hope that transcends whatever you're going through, to the peace and joy that are so much greater than just your struggles and your successes. If that's you, I invite you just right where you are to cry out in your heart. He hears your heart. He is a wonderful counselor. He's listening. He hears and he cares and he heals and redeems and restores. Just invite him into your life. Just say, Father, I receive Jesus' death on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. 
And I want to begin to truly live the life I was created for. Or maybe you're here tonight and, and you are a follower of Jesus. You've received that gift and the hope that comes with it. But the darkness is creeping in. The darkness feels like it's winning. If that's you tonight, let the hope of Christmas shine that light into your darkness. Be reminded tonight that this is not just about a manger, but it's about a cross. And because of that cross, it leads to a crown. Not our crown, but the crown of the King of kings and Lord of lords who loves you. He's not forgotten you. He's not turned his back on you. He's there. Cry out to him and ask him to shine that light in the darkness of your struggle, your grief, your pain. Whatever brought you here tonight, God invites you to live in the thrill of his hope. Oh, Father, thank you that this is so much more than a few carols and some candy and some cookies and gifts and Santa tomorrow, that this is a reminder, an all-out, full-bore celebration of joy because of you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for Christmas. It's in your name we pray. Amen.